All right, all right, all right. Welcome to another edition of Shabbat Lounge. This is Matt. And Jake here. We're coming to you today, and uh, we just wanted to remind you that uh, we do have a website. Yes, be reminded. There is and, a website. Yep. And we keep a lot of content and things there. There's an Instagram, there's a Twitter, there's a Facebook, uh, pretty much all where your social media can be found. Correct. And, uh, but we appreciate you uh, taking a minute to look us up. You can, if you have trouble, just Google Sabbath Lounge and you'll find us. Yep. So, and once again, uh, before every episode, Jake and I pray, and we always pray that, uh, that um, Yahuwah's word um, goes beyond us and uh, that we don't speak anything he would not have us to speak. And we pray that if it's uh, useful to you, that you would be willing to share it with someone. And we hope that you can get something out of today. And today we're going to probably slide this over into eventually our Torah portions. Eventually we'll have a whole series of Torah portions, but we're behind on that. But we're going to kind of jump back into the Torah portion. And what is this Torah portion name? You'd put me on the spot, wouldn't you? I, I do not know I what it is. Right I think now. it's Balaam, isn't it? Uh, it's isn't that literally? <laughs> I thought that was literally the name of it. So, but uh, this is the that for lack of better terms, this is that's the one. That's a good way to describe it because people know what that means, right? So let's start with this revelation scripture, Jake. Well, so that puts us oh. into the numbers. 22 to 24 kind of mm-hmm. yeah kind of zone yeah so that's where we are with this tour part yeah exactly numbers 22 through 24 all right so but yeah so first let's look at revelation and this is going to be chapter seven if i'm correct yeah well, let's scroll up and look at it chapter two two okay i'm Chap- not correct revelation 212 all right to the messenger of the church in, in pergamum write the one who holds the sharp two-edged sword says, I know where you live. You don't want him saying that. Mm. I know where you live. Satan's throne is there. You hold on to my name and have not denied your belief in me. Even in the days of Antipas, he was my faithful witness who was killed in your presence where Satan lives. But I have a few things against you. You have among you those who follow what Balaam taught Balak. Black trapped the people of Israel by encouraging them to eat food sacrificed to idols and to sin sexually. You also have some who follow what the Nicolaitans teach. So return to me and change the way you think and act, or I will come to you quickly and wage war against them with the sword from my mouth. Let the person who has ears listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. I will give them some of the hidden manna to everyone who wins the victory. I will also give each person a white stone with a new name written on it, a name that is known only to the person who receives it. I don't know about you, but I want one of those white stones with my yeah. name on it. Yeah. So, and we, and we hope that um, that uh, we 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 pray this for you that you'll receive this hidden manna uh, that he's talking about here. And um, but it's kind of interesting uh, that you see this. This is a, a little bit more of. Uh, it doesn't maybe explicitly say all of this in numbers, uh, but this scripture shines some light on the number scripture and kind of tells you what in the end w- what Balaam really does to the people, and then we, you know, then the and you also see this um, uh, in Phineas when he does what he does. We kind of uh, see him acting on this, and 
you see the results of this, but it doesn't, uh, this kind of helps you fill in the gaps a little. Right. Of what happened between. So it seemed like a good place to, to start with a story. So we're going to take a look at Balaam. Anything else you want to say there? Uh, just that uh, the things that he was encouraged to do, sac- meat, eat food sacrificed to idols and to sin sexually. I think it's interesting that it's those two things because they're, one's a spiritual adultery, one's a physical adultery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, the other thing I was going to say is in our scriptures that we're going to see, there is a sword reference. And uh, it's kind of interesting that, you know, after the donkey, uh, the don- what the donkey can see is an angel with the sword. And anytime you see a sword drawn, it's the same as a gun drawn. And you don't draw a sword or you don't draw a gun unless you intend to wield it. And this angel was clearly about to wield it. Yeah. And um, the donkey sees it, which is kind of like this two-edged sword. Right. And we know that, um, but yeah. So in Numbers uh, 22 is where you're going to find this story. And we're going to be looking at uh, King Jimmy uh, to our best ability. And so kind of skipping around here. So... Um, and so we encourage you to go read this story. We're not going to read through this verse by verse, but we're going to start in 12. And so Jake, will you read, um, 22, 12. And Elohim said unto Balaam, thou shalt go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people for they are blessed. And that's what it says. Yeah. I'm going to keep going. And, and so, well, so, you know, the backstory, I guess I did want to just jump in here, but we kind of have to say, uh, so there's this, this guy named Balak, uh, and he's the son um, of Zephor. And so um, he is like a king kind of person or something. So he's an important person. Right. And uh, some kind of tribal leader. And so he hears about this guy, Balaam. Well, an interesting fun fact about Balaam is for the ba- a little bit more information about Balaam, you can find him in a couple of places in Jasser. A quick search showed me Jasser. There's two times in Jasser he's mentioned one of them is in 84. And that kind of gives you the backstory that uh, this Balaam, son of uh, Behor, was connected to Egyptian magicians. And so he apparently, um, you know, he was a prophet for profit, pun intended. Right. Which isn't out of the uh, scope of what we find about him in uh, the Torah either. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And they kind of put him here around the same time as Moses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of interesting. And, you know, Jasser is something that, it's not in the canon. It's an interesting book. Um, but a lot of people argue that it could be in the canon, um, you know, so it's kind of read at your own risk kind of thing. But uh, it definitely helps kind of give you some backstory of some of these things. And to me, this all lines up biblically. It makes sense. You know, you, I don't really see in this particular passage, it doesn't seem to say anything that the Torah doesn't already say, but just gives you a little bit more of background that he will, had a reputation of being a go-to guy if if you wanted to do some magic. Yeah. He he was he was a guy you could call up and give him some money and he's going to come do some weird I'll spell do some conjuring for you. Yep. Yep. 
And the Bible clearly tells us that we're not to do this. Clearly. And Balaam also is this weird person, spiritual person, which is not is is a uh, like many spiritual people, unfortunately, in our day and age, which kind of have a camp and bo- a foot in both worlds, where they know a little bit about God, but they also dabble in the spiritual part. And unfortunately, some of this is spilled into churches today. But that's not really our focus. But. Right. But if you understand Balaam, then you can understand how it's happening. So, so in the numbers, let's see. We read twenty-two twelve. Yep. So, so Yahweh tells him, "Don't go with Balak and uh, curse the people of Israel." Yeah, because ba- Balak wanted to give him money, right? And said, "Here is a bunch of silver. Go." These people scare me because they're multiplying in great numbers. And um, and so that's it back in verse 3. And uh, this scares me, and I want you, I'm going to hire you to see if you can do something about this. Yeah. Okay. And, and then, then something we found interesting here is if you know Balaam's character in verse 13 there, Balaam mm-hmm. rose up in the morning and said to the princes of Balak, get you into the, your land, for Yahweh refuses to give me leave to go with you. It's kind of like a, uh, I maybe I can work a way to get around what Yahweh is telling me to do, but mm-hmm. I just can't go with you specifically. Mm-hmm. But if you, it's like he's almost like you can't see his face, but if you can see his face, it's almost like he's winking and going. But if, but if I can't go with you, but maybe someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he definitely seems to be. Yeah, he, he, he's a shyster, he's a snake oil salesman, he, um, he's a televangelist. I don't know if he's a televangelist. <laughs> I don't but, think they had TVs then. No. <laughs> no. But, but he's definitely that kind of, you know, it says he's a false teacher. So, um, and we'll read that scripture in a minute. But he's definitely not someone that we want to be. Mm-hmm. And so we talked to Jake in this scripture. We said that there is no, what did we mean when we said, I wrote down, there's no fear of Yah. He, he knew, but he did not fear. Yeah, he, well, this kind of comes at the, the, we see the next part. People come again, the higher ups, princes of Moab come and they say, hey, uh, kind of same deal except we'll give you more. And he tells him he can't, if Black would give me his full, his house full of silver and gold, right? He can't go beyond the word of Yahweh. And uh, then he says, okay, go hang out over there, right? Well, he says, stay here. I take that to mean, I used to take that to mean in his house. Mm-hmm. But when you look through the scripture, I don't think they're staying at this house. They're staying like in the yard in their tents or something. Mm-hmm. And he's out in the wilderness on this, the pie in these mountains, maybe. Or yeah. They're in the process of going to higher elevation anyway. Yeah. And he says, uh, he says, well, I'll go talk to Yahweh and I'll give you an answer. And Yahweh says, uh, uh, let's see. He tells him, don't, First 20, don't go. Yeah, Elohim calls to come to Balaam, Balaam at night and said to him, if the men come to call you, rise up and go with them. So they're not with him at the time. 
Mm-hmm. She says, if they come to call, you go up. Uh, and But yet the word which I shall say unto you, that you shall do. So Balaam go, gets up in the morning and goes out with the princes of Moab. He doesn't wait for them to call on him. Mm-hmm. He just goes out with him. So he doesn't really fear what Yahweh is. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't fear Yahweh the way that he should because uh, yeah. he just goes against the authority of Yahweh. Okay, that's what you said to do. Now, you get the impression that he's going with them, but the next verses show there was something amiss here because mm-hmm. you know Abraham went out early in the morning to take Isaac on the hill. He listened quickly. You know, That's kind of the impression you get here. He listened quickly, mm-hmm. but that's not what he did. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 exactly. So, um, he, he, to me, I equate it with the scripture that talks about how the demons fear, um, and they know that that he has power over them. But, but it's it's not not the fear of God that leads to wisdom and understanding. It's not right. that kind of fear. It's just the it's like the fear of being caught. They're yeah. afraid to get caught by the cops. Right. But they aren't really afraid of him per se. They just don't want to be caught because they know he can punish them. Right. So I think that's an easy way to think about it. And so we're going to skip on down to the donkey and the next place they go. And so he gets on his donkey and he's riding. So he's he's gone outside of what he was supposed to do. He just kind of took this on his own. And so... In 23, it says the donkey can see this angel wielding a sword, and the donkey has the fear of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So the donkey sees and fears, and it makes it made us think of El Burro Sabe Mas Que Tu. The, yeah. the burro is smarter than you. Right. So that's the, the first thing, one of the first things we were taught in Spanish class. <laughs> yes, yes. So, and then it kind of makes me think maybe this is where it came from, but, but the donkey could see and understand more than this human. And so the animal was smarter than he was. Um, and it was interesting. One of the scriptures was the one in Revelation that one of the scriptures we looked at talked about animals, um, giving, doing their given, you know, being animalistic in their behavior. So it's kind of ironic that the donkey can get it, but he can't. So it goes on down in verse 41, they go to another place. Well, interestingly, the donkey speaks and Balaam doesn't think twice about it. Right. Which is interesting. He's not, doesn't seem shocked by it. He's not surprised. This is like, okay, yeah. Yeah. And he talks back to the donkey. Right. Most people would be like, what? The donkey just talked to me and it's just like normal. Right. And he hits it three times. I think that's significant too, which is it's interesting. I think. I think three is biblical number. Well, I think, I think kind of similar to a point you're probably going to make a little later about how this ties into uh, Yeshua. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's you know three tests he goes through mm-hmm. basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And, and then verse forty one, it sees it sees him going to a higher mountain. So. Um, that that at the beginning there, wherever elevate whatever elevation you can grow grapes at, because it talks about a vineyard, and so you I know you can grow grapes as high as you know thirty five thirty six hundred feet above sea level. So, uh, so you know, so they were at that level at least, and then they're going up higher to this other place. And it did make me think of the scripture 
in Matthew uh, where, where Yeshua is tempted and he uh, takes him to the highest place in the land and looks over you know, all the kingdoms. So it takes him to a high mountain. And um, direct opposite of Balaam, all Yeshua can do is, is recount Scripture. He answers him with Scripture after Scripture after Scripture. Balaam is not interested and does, does not apparently know Scripture. Because if he did know Scripture or cared, he would know that divination was an abomination. Right. And he shouldn't do it. He didn't care. So, um, and then we start to see these blessings that he... So, he, so he's supposed to curse... And all he can do is bless. So, like, read 23.8 there. How shall I curse whom Elohim has not cursed? Or how shall I defy whom Yahweh has not defied? So, Balak is, takes him up to the mountain and, you know, he tells him to curse them. And he essentially... Go, so what's interesting here, another interesting thing is, so Balaam goes and tells Balak when they're on this mountain, go make me these altars and then bring me these animals to burn on the altar. And usually you don't hear it that way. Usually a prophet saying, bring these to Yahweh mm -hmm. and, you know, make an altar for Yahweh. But these, it's about him. That's um, how he's getting fed. Yeah. Food. Yeah. That's a lot of food, though. Yeah. Maybe he had a bunch of people with him. <laughs> Sounds but, like a party. Yeah. But he is he is about him, and and he has this, and as we go, you'll kind of see a pattern of, he has this, you know, uh, way of trying to divine or enchanting things like he, he he goes about it in a way that you would see a magic man go about it mm -hmm. like if i do the right procedure if i say the right words if i have the right setup with the altars and the mm -hmm. and the you know animals then it'll it'll all work out yeah that's a good point i feel like balaam was a showman he knew how to put on a show yeah. and there's a little bit of showmanship here and you know you you think about magicians today they put on a show Right, and uh, we don't know that he had uh, did all the things like they do, but you know, clearly, there's something like that happening here. And then the, you know you see this blessing part, and he says, "I can't curse what God has not cursed." And and then he also has this idea of um, uh, the intent that there's so many people they're uncountable. It's the dust. It goes back to Abraham the promise of Abraham and then this holy and set apart people. And so uh, the first step in cursing here uh, fails and comes to a terrible crash and burn because he literally says he can't curse him. So, and then 2314, he goes to another place. So he goes to the top of this mountain, Pishka. And so if you look this place up, it's kind of interesting. So, so I think it's, a, we, it's always good to see where these places are. Um, I thought we had a big picture of this. There yes. it is. So, so here's the Dead Sea. And so if you look at the Dead Sea, we're just north and east of the Dead Sea between Pishka and Mount Nebo. This is the vicinity that we are. So we are 
west, no, east of the Jordan River. East of the Jordan, east right. East of the Jordan. Before they go they into the land. Because they not crossed in. So. And so Pisgah is the, the mountain that Moses goes up to mm. when Yahweh shows him all the land that he's missed out on for having uh, his belief was not <clears throat> where it needed to be. He struck the rock instead of talking to it. And this shows Mount Nebo and Pishka is sitting at about, you know, a mile high. So, you know, it's a fairly decent elevation. And so this is supposedly a picture from on top of the mountain. And you can see a long ways. You know, you can see a little bit, almost looks like clouds or another mountain. That's probably the Dead Sea on the mm-hmm. left. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's a, so that's kind of like the viewpoint. Um, and so what are they looking at, Jake, from here? Uh, they're looking unto the... Uh, children of Israel, the tribes of Israel. But the first couple times they look at it, they only see, you know, the outskirts of the, mm-hmm. of the grouping of people. And it uh, goes on to specify that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, and so, you know, Balaam became, you know, the, or Balak becomes frustrated with Balaam because he's like, I thought you were going to, man, what are you doing? I thought you were going to say some bad stuff here. And all you can do is say nice things about them. So they go to this other place, uh, this high place, uh, this high mountain. And um, now, then in 14, he's on the field of Zophim, which is the top of Pisgah. So they're so, still on Pisgah. So I always, when I would read this, I would think they're jumping from mountain, high place to high place. Mm-hmm. But they're kind of wandering around the top of Pisgah mm-hmm. and it's like they're trying to find the right spot yeah. that uh, black seems to have a, 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 a motive of trying to show Balaam the right amount of Israel to curse. Mm-hmm. And Balaam is trying to find just the right place to, to divine the right curse that yeah. black is asking him for. And so this place that we're talking about, the field of Zophim, is also called the field of watchers. And so there's definitely the spiritual connotation. Um, we don't know exactly, but it was probably Baal worship. Uh, might have been even connected to fallen angel stuff. Uh, it was definitely a place that they perceived magical things to happen. And people who were interested in dabbling in the uh, magic and divination, this is, this is where you went. Right. But we do know that it was used for Baal worship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so something else that's interesting in 23.16, it says that Yahuwah meets Balaam and puts the word in his mouth. What do you think that means, Jake? Uh, Well, well, we had an interesting discussion on it. And it, uh, it almost has a connotation of he's... Balaam can't resist the the word that Yahweh is putting in his mouth. It's like a uh, one of the translations of the word is uh, has a a connotation of violence, like a, a physical effort. Mm-hmm. And so he's it's almost like he's cramming the words in there because the lamb doesn't want them. Mm-hmm. He's kind of forcing him to say what needs to be said. Yeah, like he almost has no choice. It just is coming out. He can't help it. So, um, and in essence, you know, it, he's doing what he said. You know, he, he's trying to channel, if you will, different things. And 
And I would think in, in the line of his work, this is a common occurrence. He goes and he prays to something and it speaks through him. Mm-hmm. This is what he does. And so spirit. this is just, it's normal for him. And so we see the second blessing here and read 2021. He has not beheld iniquity in Jacob, neither has he seen perverseness in Israel. Yahweh his Elohim is with him and the shout of a king is among them. So once again, he keeps saying the same thing. He can't curse what's been blessed and then also it's interesting in 21 uh, he can't see sin um and jake we talked a little bit about it was like that the word in the tabernacle at the for the mercy seat where it talks about how the prince cannot s- speak and what was how did that go it's something about the prince sees the iniquity but will not speak it to the father mm-hmm and it's talking about Yeshua being the covering for our sins, and that that's why Yahweh can't see our sin, basically. Mm-hmm. We think this is a pro- possibly a prophetic thing of Yeshua. that, um, And it could literally physically also mean at the same time, at this moment in time, they were free from sin from their camp because they had gotten rid of Korah and some things had happened, and they're kind of gotten it down to more of a remnant of people who... Uh, have seen some things that they're finally starting. Okay, we're wandering in the desert because of our sin. Okay, we're kind of kind of getting it for a minute. Yeah, it's like uh, he's not going to, Yahweh isn't going to curse them without cause. Mm-hmm. And right now there's no cause to there's curse There's no legal them. authority in this, right. the kingdom. Yep. And then uh, 23, um, which is powerful words to me, but it says, uh, would you read that? Surely there's no enchantment against Jacob, neither is there any divination against Israel. According to this time, it shall be said of Jacob and of Israel, what has Elohim wrought? And so what I think of here is that, you know, magic has no power, uh, divination. I, I want to add the word pharmakia because that's part of um, that's a popular topic, and we're all worried about um, pharmacia and how it might be forced or, or to influence us. But it's comforting to realize if we're part of Israel, uh, I feel like there's something here that applies to us. It's the uh, powers and principalities have no power over us when mm-hmm. we're under Messiah. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> and then 24. Behold, the people shall rise up as a great lion and lift up himself as a young lion he shall not lie down until he eat he eat of the prey and drink the blood of the slain and what does that make you think of uh that sounds like uh return of messiah kind of talk does it sound like the revelation rider with the horse and the the blood flowing to the bridle yeah. so it definitely sounds like victory and uh, a violent victory and um there's nothing that can be done about that uh, from the enemy. And then, um, was there anything else? I know we were going down to 28. And uh, just that uh, uh, the there's a lot of Messiah talk in mm. the prophecies of Balaam mm-hmm. in this uh, section of scripture, in the portion. Uh, a lot of it comes later, but that's why it's not really out of the question to tie this here to mm-hmm. that as well. Mm-hmm. And so, and then 28, we, we basically see that Balak is bringing Balaam to another 
this time to Peor. Um, and it's like he keeps ascending up, you know, the, going up to more spiritual places or something. You know, well, that didn't work. That didn't work. Let's try over here. Mm-hmm. So they keep trying to find these um, quote unquote other holy sites who, you know, are all questionable um, and what they were used for and who's there. And just that um, we definitely know they were not um, not the right way. And then we go on to 24-5, I believe. And 24-5, um, so he takes him up to this other place, and we see this third blessing. And so would you read about all the, the scriptures here that go with the blessings? How goodly are thy tents, O Jacob, and thy tabernacles, O Israel. As the valleys are they spread forth, as gardens by the riverside, as the trees of line aloes which Yahweh has planted and as cedar trees beside the waters he shall pour the water out of his buckets and his seed shall be in many waters and his king shall be higher than Agag and his kingdom shall be exalted Uh, Elohim brought him forth out of Egypt he has as it were the strength of an unicorn he shall eat up the nations his enemies and shall break their bones and pierce them through with his arrows. He couched, he lay down as a lion and as a great lion. Who shall stir him up? Blessed is he that blesses thee, and cursed is he that curses thee. Yeah, so, so much here. And definitely in this passage, I wrote down, this made me think of Sukkot. Uh, This makes me think of wedding. You see tabernacles, you see tents. The scripture about Lebanon in trees, cedars is interesting because there's a quote in the song, you know, there's a quote in the Song of Solomon where she, I think she's saying that his legs are like the cedars of Lebanon or something. And so there is definitely a tie in to this idea of bride and groom and wedding. This is a beautiful picture. I mean, so especially... Right now in Texas, it's hot, getting hot and dry. And so the idea of sitting in a valley with a river, you know, with trees, um, that's very appealing. In a tent. Mm-hmm. Does yeah. sound good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sounds like a good place to camp, you yeah. know, good place to be, good place to have a festival, yeah. a feast, a wedding. Except for all the lions running wedding. around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and unicorns. That's right. <laughs> yes. Uh, we're not sure about the unicorn business, but it's interesting. Um, so, and then there's this line about eat up all the nations. So once again, this, this prophecy of he is going to destroy everybody that stands against him, um, that they don't have a chance. So, and that's the third blessing that we'll see. This also is, now I know know that, uh, the, uh, Jewish understanding of this kind of thing is this is talking about. Israel doing this, and we see that, yes, it's also about Messiah, though. We see this happen as they go into the promised land. They uh, destroy the other, uh, quote-unquote, nations that are in the land, right? Mm-hmm. The other peoples in the land. And then they also, also talking about when Messiah returns and, uh, and smotes mm-hmm. the nations. Mm-hmm. And then in 13, we talked about how 
he can't go beyond the commandments of the Lord. So the kingdom has rules, and he is bound by the rules. And so there's a lot of parallels between, uh, you know, clearly false teachers and Satan himself. And then we put Balaam in this category, unfortunately, of being a false teacher. And Satan is bound by the rules of the kingdom because he is operating in Yahuwah's house, and he, there's house rules, and he, even he has to follow these right. rules. He can't, he can't harm a hair on Job's head lest he get permission, mm-hmm. right? And you see this, another idea of just this, there's legal spiritual authority in this kingdom, and, and even the bad people have to follow those rules. Yeah. Uh, there are some rules for them. Um, and then um, 24... Um, 17, read that one. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab, and destroy all the children of Sheth. And 18. And Edom shall be a possession. Seir also shall be a possession for his enemies, and Israel shall do valiantly. Out of Jacob shall come he that shall have dominion and shall destroy him that remains of the city. And when he looked on Amalek, he took up his parable and said, Amalek was the first out of the nations, but his latter end shall be that he perish forever. So, so those are clearly talking Messiah. Yeah, because in 2417, you've got the star of Jacob, the scepter that's not going to depart. You've got the destruction of Moab. And don't you think, didn't we just say that was probably Seth, the children of Sheth? That's what I'm guessing. So we didn't really look that up. I guess we should have. Um, but well, then Adam we got to people listening right. something to do. That's right. Go do that. <laughs> and uh, definitely very prophetic of Yeshua. Right. Out of Jacob shall come he that shall have dominion. And then I think we talked about this, and then we need to read this scripture too. So read, so this... I think that Matthew one is your animal one, maybe. Uh, oh, no, no, go ahead. So um, <clears throat> so this Second Peter, the, the heading that man wrote, is warning about false teachers, but it is clearly the main idea of this passage is about false teachers which he's interesting enough by verse three, he's talking about angels who sinned and he puts them in the same paragraph of the false teachers. Um, and uh, so he goes on and read this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where it is. And read, I guess, starting 11 and go through 16. All right. Angels who have more strength and power than these teachers don't bring an insulting judgment against them from Yahweh. These false teachers insult what they don't understand. They are like animals, which are creatures of instinct that are born to be caught and killed. So they will be uh, destroyed like animals and lose what their wrongdoing earned them. False, uh, these false teachers are stains and blemishes. They take pleasure in holding wild parties in broad daylight. They especially... They especially... Enjoy deceiving you while they eat with you. They're always looking for an adulterous woman. They can't stop looking for sin as they seduce people who aren't sure of what they believe. Their minds are focused on their greed. They are cursed. 
These false teachers have left the straight path and wandered off to follow the path of Balaam, son of Beor. Balaam loved what his wrongdoing earned him, but he was convicted for his evil. A donkey, which normally can't talk, spoke with a human voice and wouldn't allow the prophet to continue his insanity. Insanity. I like that. So, so much in here. So at the beginning, these angels, it talks about how these false teachers, they insult what they don't understand. They're like animals. And we talked about how, um, well, there's so much here. Even this concept of they will be destroyed like animals. Like it almost makes me think of your pot of special purpose. You know, they have this purpose. Mm -hmm. uh, They don't even understand what the purpose is. And uh, so you have that in there. And then you have the world that we see today. Don't people live like animals? We talked about, you know, song lyrics and things that are not appropriate for our show. But you guys know what we're talking about, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And this idea of uh, what their wrongdoing earned them. There's things to earn. Your wrongdoings will earn you things. Your right doings will earn you things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just interesting. This shows you so much more about, you know, there's so many people that you and I, we work with, we know that we live with. And there, unfortunately, are people who call themselves Christians who kind of do this, um, you know, that are just looking for the adulterous woman all the time. That is all they're looking for. And and so sometimes they do it with uh, pornography. They do it with you know, just different idols that they set up in their life. It doesn't all have to be about a sexual thing, um, but but it is what they pursue uh, in life that that does this. They pursue you know money, like they like some people pursue adulterous women. And um, the, well, this whole idea of they seduce people who aren't sure of what they believe. They they're preying on the the weak minded person who's who's carried off by every whim of of doctrine mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and there's so many different versions of this you know this the, these are unfortunately there are entire companies entire industries that are built on deceiving people like this and we live in just this crazy place and it's always been that way but but balaam you know it, it's very harsh on balaam about um for sure about um the the, the words that are said here yeah, to him. he loved what his wrongdoing earned him. That's well, and to me too, it also implies a little bit that Balaam w- was full on guilty, like he knew. So, so how can you know the wrongdoing that you're doing unless you know something right? And yeah. so, to me, this implies that Balaam somehow along the way he learned what was right, and he loved the wrongdoing more than he loved what was right. Mm-hmm. I mean, can he you, loved the the he loved the earthly rewards for his wrongdoing mm-hmm. versus the you know rewards that he would store up in heaven. Yeah, to me, Balaam also shows you that concept of you can't serve two masters. You either hate one and love the other. You know, mm-hmm. Balaam to me was trying to mix the holy and profane and do a little bit of both, and it just can't be done. Yeah, it's the Jacob and Esau dichotomy to the. The, are you going to be like Esau and be uh, hungry for the, the rewards of this world, mm-hmm. this life? We've got to go ahead and read 17, 18, and 19. Though. Okay. These false teachers are dried up springs. They are a mist blown around by a storm. Gloomy darkness has been kept for them. 
They arrogantly use nonsense to seduce people by appealing to their sexual desires, especially to sexual freedom. They seduce people who have just escaped from those who live in error. They promise these people freedom, but they themselves are slaves to corruption. A person is a slave to whatever he gives into. Mm, what does that mean today? What, mm. what does that make you think of, especially this entire month? And I'm so tired of how our mo- this month got hijacked. Yeah. But isn't it about freedom, Jake? It's all freedom, yeah. And, You're and free that, to corrupt yourself. That's right. And this entire month, the world has celebrated verse 19 about giving people freedom. And, and how many times have we seen them talking about equality, freedom, blah, 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 exactly what this scripture says. And the world is promoting this as the way to be. And then it says in the end, what does it say they are? A slave. A slave. And so They're not really free. And that this is bondage. You've been tricked, people. That's right. You've been tricked. So anyway, so how do we wrap this up and put a nice little bow on it and think of puppy dogs and unicorns and butterflies? Um, well, we're all thinking unicorns right now, but um, <laughs> just, you know, it's don't be the Balaam guy who's don't be Yahweh has guy. to force you to do something to carry out his plan and then uh and then you just turn around and and go against that immediately um like he does to black mm-hmm. immediately after this he go, he he loves telling him i can't say against what yahweh's put in my mouth but as soon as it's like as soon as yahweh leaves him to go attend other matters, if you will, you know, in our human way of looking at it. He's like, okay, now that Yahweh's not around, I can say things that are not what he's saying to do. Mm-hmm. And so it's, you know, Yahweh came upon him for a time to pot of special use to, you know, be that pot of special use to deliver his message. And then once that was done, he's a common pot again, mm-hmm. free to, you know, mess up whatever he's going to mess up. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And, and I also think what you have here, in essence, is you have the spiritual... This is this is the spiritual side of what's happening physically. Mm-hmm. You talked about it. Did the people have any idea? Yeah, that's interesting. They, The people, the Israelites, don't see, you know, Balaam and Balak up on the mountain doing these things, probably. And... They don't know no what's going on. No idea happens. that they're the people around them are t- trying to curse them mm-hmm. and, and smite wandering them. Wandering in the desert. Yeah. And you know that because the very next <laughs> verse, the f- very first verse in chapter 24 tells you they didn't realize this was going on mm-hmm. because they fall right into it. Yeah. Yeah. They fall right into this thing. And so it's a real simple formula. You know, he says, you know, Balaam says, I, I can't curse you. You know, God won't let me, but you can do this. All you got to do, you just got to bring over those pretty girls. You just got to corrupt them. That's right. Have and them, then they'll get their curses. That's right. Have them bring, you know, bring the pretty grand girls over. Let them put a little makeup on, put some jewelry on, and let, let them show some skin. Just parade them in front of those young Israelite boys. 
and you're, all over. you're done. They're going to be drooling and they're going to want that. And uh, you don't have to do, hardly do anything. And uh, once you get them to go with those girls, these girls are idolaters and the rest is history. Yep. And that's what they did. Yep. He said because he couldn't find, you know, a perversion in Israel. Well, he can't curse them because there's no perversion in Israel. Mm -hmm. You inject some perversion in there. You can get your curses. <laughs> yeah, and it should sound a lot like the world we live in. And so basically he's saying, you know, sex sells. Uh, show them a lot of sex on TV and the movies and the internet and the songs that they listen to, and they'll just do the rest. You don't have to do anything. This is easy. And unfortunately, it is that easy. It is that easy. So, and so, uh, but you've got to go read this. You've got to go put these connect these dots and see if this is true. And uh, it's a powerful lesson. It's a powerful story for today. And it's, it's more than just more than a donkey talking, isn't it? Right. Jake? It sure is. If you just have only ever looked at it as, Oh, a donkey talked. Cool. Cause as a, as a kid, that's what I that's, remembered. That's what you remember. Right. Mm -hmm. And I just was like, Oh, isn't that funny? The guy talking to the donkey. And he mm -hmm. whacks him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems kind of cute and funny, but, um, that's not necessarily cute and funny and kind of hard to put lipstick on a pig here. Yeah. When you see the real world implications of, of this story. Yeah. And it just shows we have to um, do the old song, be careful little eyes what you see. And, yep. uh, and, and that is so important. So anything else before we wrap this up? No, uh, just uh, check out the, the website and our past what do we call them our past episodes episodes there you go that's a good word mm -hmm. and uh see if you can learn some things or but find find something out you, you hadn't known before we appreciate if you would uh, like this share this um tell us how much you love us you know yeah uh, we appreciate those kinds of things appreciate comments and um uh, but anyway, we appreciate your time. Your time is such a valuable asset, and we hope this has been useful to you, and we look forward to uh, hearing from you, and uh, we will be back soon. And All we're right. signing off. See you later.